The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America, welcome to the 45th ever show of All Around Sports. Reach Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. We broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at www.iirsports, one word, dot com. As always, it was another wild week in sports, and as usual, I will discuss the highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items that dominated this past week. In 15 minutes, I will welcome our weekly expert guest, Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post. Well, my highlight of the week is the return to sanity for Lynn Sanity, which, as I predicted on last week's show, might finally cool off with the NBA All-Star breakdown in Orlando, which indeed it did. And then perhaps the most important development to the future of Jeremy Lin, he played a game the other night with only one turnover to go along with his solid contribution of points and assists. And you may remember that Lin had set the NBA record for most turnovers in his first 11 games, but he was also setting records along the way for points and assists as well. So it's been a mixed bag with uh, Jeremy Lin, but uh, again, seeing the one turnover the other night uh, in a victory over the Cavaliers was uh, really cause to think that he he might have uh, a game that's going to last in the NBA, and uh, I would love to see it. I think it's been great. And the Linsanity train stops here at the Boston Garden on Sunday versus the Celtics, and it should be just a tremendous matchup. The Celtics have shown a pulse lately. After losing uh, five in a row prior to the All-Star break, they have won a couple this week in a row, and uh, they need to send a message in the Boston Garden to the New York Knicks, who are suddenly a top competitor uh, potential in the postseason, obviously. And if the Celtics want to make any noise in the postseason, um, I think they need to start by sending a message. This Sunday, at home, in the Garden, Kevin Garnett's been playing well. 
And one of the interesting things going on this week, as you've all heard, is, of course, uh, the talk of Rajon Rondo being actively shopped around by GM Danny Ainge. And uh, Ainge basically denied it on Boston Sports Radio, uh, said he is not actively, that's the key word, being shopped around. And... uh, so that's a situation that bears watching. Uh, Rondo is a mercurial personality, to say the least, but he is a tremendous player, uh, as evidenced by the fact that he has the second most triple doubles in recent years, second only to LeBron James, and uh, including playoffs. So that's quite a statistic. Uh, the problem with Rondo is very simple. Uh, he either seems to dominate games or disappear. There doesn't seem to be a whole lot of in-between. And for him to be uh, the player that the Celtics want to build their future around, and believe me, with the big three aging, the future is now. Uh, decisions need to be made. And is Rondo that guy or is he not? So uh, it'll be interesting to watch him on Sunday especially if he's going head-to-head with uh, Jeremy Lin. Could be just great, great theater. My low light of the week is new Pirates pitcher A.J. Burnett bunting off his eye yesterday, uh, or two days ago, fracturing the orbital around the eye, which will require surgery. And after 18 losing seasons in a row the longest losing streak by any sports franchise in North American history. The Pirates finally sent a signal that maybe they are about to rejoin the living by taking A.J. Burnett and letting the Yankees pay most of his salary, by the way. And now to have this happen in week one is just uh, very disheartening. Again, as you listeners know, I grew up in the Pittsburgh area watching the Pirates going back to the days of Forbes Field and uh, Roberto Clemente right on through We Are Family and Willie Stargell and uh, the record of most losing seasons in a row is awful for any Pirates fans and finally in the middle of last year we were able to come out of the woodwork a little bit when the Pirates were briefly in first place and were relevant again for the first time in I don't know how long and then There was that awful, awful call against the Atlanta Braves in, uh, I believe it was July or August, and uh, basically the Braves beat the Pirates in a game they should have never beaten them in. Uh, They called a Braves runner safe at home plate. He was obviously out, and the umps admitted it the next day, and... The Pirates completely fell apart after that and reverted back to form to have yet another losing season. So uh, hopefully it starts to turn around for this club, but at least they made a move on A.J. Burnett, which is the first uh, sort of recognizable name they brought in, it seems, in a long, long time. And sticking with Pennsylvania, my bizarre story of the week is the state of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And whether their years of managing the cap has finally caught up with them. Uh, They cut Heinz Ward, future Hall of Famer, this week. They tendered 
Mike Wallace as opposed to franchising him and what tendering means is that any other team can make an offer for him uh, if they're willing to give up a first-round draft pick and the Pirates can match it, but it's a very dangerous game for one of the true game-breakers in the NFL today, that, of course, being Mike Wallace, one of the speediest receivers out there. And apparently the Steelers are considering uh, releasing another veteran or two in the next day or two. Also, this comes on the heels of uh, a rare soap opera coming out of Steeler land, uh, that being when they dismissed offensive coordinator Bruce Arians and hired Todd Haley, former Kansas City Chiefs coach and son of a longtime Pittsburgh Steelers front office employee Dick Haley, going back to the days of the Steel Curtain. And uh, the, higher, the, the way the situation was handled was uh, reportedly much to the chagrin of Big Ben Roethlisberger, the quarterback. And uh, it, it generated its own mini soap opera when, uh, when sports talk shows were, talk, were discussing, you know, who was going to call who first. Would Roethlisberger call Haley? Would Haley call Roethlisberger? Noteworthy only in that this is not the type of stuff you ever see coming out of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, they've been in uh, one more Super Bowls than any franchise. have been in the Super Bowl twice in recent years, won one, lost one. And so for this to be uh, even a topic with the Steelers is, shall we say, unusual. And uh, I don't know what's going on down there, but... This is a franchise worth watching here uh, as we head towards uh, the NFL draft coming up in uh, now less than two months. Hard to believe it's March. March Madness will be uh, getting underway any time now, and you can already get the, the feel is in the air, and it's a great thing. And also with March comes baseball and spring training. So I would like to take this opportunity to bid a... Fond farewell to Jason Veritek, the captain and the catcher, former catcher of the Boston Red Sox. And I want to bring this up only because it brings to mind one of the most iconic images in sports in Boston history, which is, of course, when Veritek in August of 2004 shoved his glove into the face of Alex Rodriguez, A-Rod, I was in the stands that day. I was fortunate enough to have very good seats in the eighth row at the visitors on deck circle on the third base side. So it basically all happened right in front of me. And I will just never forget it. Uh, it was just an iconic game. It was a Saturday afternoon game against the Yankees, needless to say. And this was on the heels of 2003 when it was just uh, the Red Sox still had not gotten over that hump of beating the Yankees. Uh, and when Veritek did that, uh, the place went absolutely crazy. It was, it was the best baseball, quote, fight that I ever saw. And, uh, and it just ignited the team. The Red Sox were down in that game. They ended up coming back and winning on a Bill Miller hit in the ninth inning against Mariana Rivera. The Red Sox were the only team that had had even a little bit of success with uh, beating Rivera. And that was the day, uh, not only that 
a rod uh a rod got veritex glove shoved in his face it was also the day that the red sox shattered once and for all the invincibility of mariana rivera and whether they could beat him that of course was borne out just a couple months after that in the epic alcs when the red sox come down from the 3-0 deficit to beat the yankees four to three break uh, went on the way to break the curse and create what is easily the number one sports memory in boston history and uh so once again uh Hats off to Jason Veritek. He was the captain. He was the core of the Red Sox as we've known them since 2003, a perennial contender. And I would be remiss if I also didn't mention that uh, a fond farewell to Tim Wakefield as well. Just a few shy of the all-time Red Sox wins record uh, held by Cy Young. I've heard that name before. And... Uh, Wakefield achieved his 200th victory just late last season, and so he's moving on. He, of course, started his career with the Pirates, developed the knuckleball down there, came to Boston, and had just a terrific career here. And he, of course, uh, played a key role in the 2004 postseason as well. So, uh, interesting watching the Red Sox this year. Bobby Valentine is... uh, Stirring the pot, shall we say, already with the Yankees, a little bit with Terry Francona, the former manager. So it uh, promises to be an interesting season up here. And now, as my former co-host, Lemont Williams from Outside the Huddle, likes to say, it's time to pay some bills. So let's take our break. And joining us on the other side will be Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you. 
It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemond Williams. Each week, join Lemond as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific for Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And to join the show, the call-in number is one 888 Three four six nine one four four, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we often have guests. And joining us today is our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein from the New York Post. And welcome, Barry. How are you today? I'm terrific, John. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Uh, I appreciate your calling in and... Wanted to ask you, I guess we can start off with the state of Lynn's sanity in New York City. Uh, strikes me that it's calmed down a little bit after the uh, craziness of the previous three weeks. But then, as I mentioned on the show last week, I thought with the All-Star break, it might uh, you know, bring it back a little closer to reality. And I, and I think that's happening to a large degree this week. Is that your takedown in New York City? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I think, you know, it's, it's funny. If you walk around uh, Manhattan or New Jersey or anywhere in the uh, metropolitan area, uh, you'll walk by sporting goods stores, you know, Modelo, Sports Authority, what have you. Um, very prominently uh, featured, you have the, the Jeremy Lynn jerseys, Lynn Sanity t-shirts, uh, and all that. So you know, there's a lot of that going on. Um, on the court, I would agree. I, I think that a reason for that is that when... When Jeremy Lin first came on the scene, you know, about three weeks or so ago, uh, you know, when it was all fresh and all new, you have to remember that uh, the Knicks were kind of still, you know, feeling their way as far as their their roster is concerned because you know, Amari Stoudemire and Carmelo Anthony were both hurt, and basically Jeremy Lin was was kind of carrying the day, carrying the show, and it was so such a novel thing, and you know, and, and I, I think you know, in sports and entertainment news. Um, in, in the realm that we that we live and work in, it's all about well, you know, what he's done for me lately, and it, and while uh, Linsanity is still not totally petered out, it's kind of it's kind of calmed down to an extent. It's still there, but it's not as nearly as as as, as crazy and frenetic as it was. You know, now that you have the Knicks healthy, uh, now that you have uh, have them after uh, bringing uh, J.R. Smith, you know, they're 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 becoming more of a more of a, a full product. Now we're starting to see what the Knicks are really about. And it's going to continue to be a work in progress. It's going to continue to be the kind of situation that, where, well, you know, let's make sure everybody fits in, everybody's meshing. It seems to be working. You know, I, I don't know that they're a championship caliber team, but, you know, they're going to be you know, a lot of people really, you know, 
grab on to lymphatity, continue to. And it's made it an interesting team. Uh, it's made them a, a very watchable team, fun team to watch. And, you know, we'll see how it plays out. But, you know, yeah, I, I do agree with your assessment that it, it, it has kind of tempered a little bit. It's still there, and it will continue to be there. And, uh, you know, obviously, um, you know, the fan base is, is very energized in New York. Uh, and around the country too, for you know, for when the Knicks go go traveling. So you know, I think we'll see it continue. Uh, but yeah, it, it's now it's more now it's more about how how the Knicks will progress from here. Now that they're more of a complete package, now that they're healthy again, and now that we kind of see this kind of team they're going to put on the floor every night. You know, uh, you know, with with Carmelo Anthony's style, very different. You know, from from a Jerry Jerry Lynn, even Amari Stoudemire who. Really is, is playing hurt still. It's not totally healthy yet. Um, so yeah, it's it's definitely not what it was, but it's uh, it's still there to a large degree, I think. And I agree, uh, but there's no way it could possibly keep up the pace with which it had gone for those first three weeks. And uh, you mentioned travel in the Jeremy Lin Road Show, and. Uh, it's making a stop in Boston at the Boston Garden on Sunday at 1 o'clock on national TV. And I, for one, am very, very excited. I think it's going to be potentially great theater, particularly if Rondo goes head-to-head, man-to-man, as they say, against Jeremy Lin, and not to mention the, you know, uh, it's a potential postseason preview. And, you know, I think if the Celtics are going to send any message that you know don't completely count them out for the postseason it needs to start on sunday against what is what once was just a tremendous rivalry it still is but it's been uh, you know on the back burner obviously and they did meet last year in the postseason the knicks and the celtics so i think sunday's game is uh very very appealing and uh what are your thoughts on the game coming up sunday yeah i i agree i think that uh you know, anytime you have the Knicks and Celtics get together, it's it's, uh, it's good theater. But you know, even now more so because this will be the first time that they've played each other. You know, since Jeremy Lin's there, and you know, uh, Rondo has kind of been in the you know kind of a uh, a lightning rod for for a lot of talk in in Boston. Um, you know, will he be traded? Uh, what's going to happen with him? You know, I, I did see uh, Doc Rivers saying that there is no way that they're going to trade Rondo. That you know, their relationship is good. That, that Doc wants Rondo there, the team wants Rondo there, and they're they're, they're not going to make a move. Um, you know, I, I think if anything, if the Celtics are going to make any kind of move, they have to try to get younger, and that's you know that's 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 not exactly a newsflash to anybody who follows the team. But you know, I, I just don't know if they're going to be able to pull something off. I, I think in in the NBA, it's so hard to make trades because you know you have the whole uh, the whole not not only trading talent for talent, but you you have to make sure that it works. Uh, under the salary cap, so it, it makes it very difficult, I think, in the NBA to, to, to make trades. Um, and you have to have the right pieces and the right mix going back and forth, and do the salaries work? And it's just very complicated. So I don't know that they're going to be able to, you know, really get younger while keeping the talent level high. I, I think their best chance is really to kind of see what they can do with this, uh, you know, with, the, with this group. And I, I, I don't see that they're going to be able to really make any significant moves. Um, down the stretch with this particular group. I mean, you know, maybe, you know down the road, maybe you know, next year or whatever, but I, I don't know. I, I just don't see them really finding a way to kind of make a deal that's going to make sense. So, 
you know, maybe realizing that they're, they're kind of, you know, really trying to push the fact that, hey, Rondo's our guy. We want him here. We can win with him. So I think that's kind of the way it's going to play out, at least for the Celtics this year. But going, getting back to Sunday, yeah, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. And, you know, you know national TV is always a, it's always a great stage. And, uh, yeah, I agree. It's, it's going to be really good to watch. Yeah, I think it's just going to be terrific. And, uh, you know, Rondo is just such a unique mercurial figure, to put it mildly. Uh, as I said at the top of the show, he's just seems to be in this pattern and has been for a while, maybe forever, of just, you know, he, it's a feast or famine proposition with him. He either is the best player on the floor, rolling out triple doubles, or sometimes he just seems to disappear. And he also has those uh, obvious shortcomings of, uh, you know, not being a shooter and not being able to make free throws, which is a real, real Achilles heel, especially the free throw thing. So, but yet he is, uh, when he's on, when he's having one of his triple-double type games, he simply does things that no other player in the NBA can do, period. So he's a, he's a fascinating study, so to speak. And again, you know, I like him, uh, but truthfully, I, I don't see him as the kind of player, more importantly, personality that you can actually build a team around if the big three were just to suddenly go away before next season. Well, you know, too, you know, the, other, the other factor here, too, is, um, you know, while he has, you know, obviously pointing out the, the many inconsistencies of his game, you know, uh, the whole uh, Doc talking him up may be, in fact, just a way to kind of inflate his trade value, too. You know, by, by, by talking him up, by saying, hey, we, we, think he's, we think he's the guy, we want him here, um, that could also be a way of, you know, kind of putting a message out other teams, other potential trade suitors, you know, saying, "Hey, you know what? This guy really is good, and they really like him a lot. You know, maybe they can kind of, uh, kind of get more for him that way." So, you know, that might be another thing to watch as we get into these last two weeks before the trade deadline. Um, so, you know, just another a uh, little more food for thought there. I think. Yeah, well, I think a very important thought to keep in mind: all you need to know about Danny Ainge, and I won't soon forget it, was when Danny Ainge first took over as GM of the Celtics, he immediately traded a number of players from what was an NBA Eastern Conference Finals team. Uh, I have strong memories of this because I attended a couple of the Eastern Final games against the New Jersey Nets with Jason Kidd and Richard Jefferson uh, at the Garden. One of them, of course, was the epic Fourth quarter comeback from, I think, 21 down. Uh, it was the greatest fourth quarter comeback in NBA postseason history. And it was Memorial Day weekend of around, uh, you know, back in the 90s or back earlier, uh, earlier this decade. And Ainge came under severe criticism. Again, we're talking an NBA Eastern Conference finalist team. And he just dismantled them pretty much on day one with the reasoning being simply this team cannot win a championship. And, you know, so what's the point? And I think he's, he's there again. He obviously, I mean, he assembled the big three and they did win a championship. He stuck with them on the hopes that they could win another championship. And that was buoyed, of course, by their unexpected run a couple years ago where they went to the finals and in fact had a 13 point lead and, 
third quarter of game seven out, out against the Los Angeles Lakers in the finals. So they were, you know, less than 15 minutes away from winning another NBA title. And, uh, but it's obvious that this team is not going to win a title. They, they may make a little noise. <clears throat> um, you never know, but, uh, that's where I, that, I think that's at the core of what Danny Ainge is all about, which tells me that he is going to do anything possible, and I agree with you, trades are tough in the NBA, but he's going to do anything possible to uh, you know, make this team you know, a contender again or you know, put them uh, pointed towards another championship. That's the only way he knows. Right, and I think you know, and that's and that's the dilemma for any general manager in any sport, really. Right? I mean, once you get to a point where you have a team, you know, where, where the Celtics are, you know, of a team that you know that that's not getting any younger, of a team that's kind of you know, you have a core group of guys who are all you know, uh, all veterans, all older. You know, you have to make the decision: Can we stick with these guys? Can we get one more? Can we squeeze one more run out of these guys, or do we, or do we tear it apart? You know, which way do we go? And you got to be very careful um, not to wait too long because it, 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 it is, because it is kind of it, it, you're kind of playing Russian roulette in a way because if you wait too long to break it apart, then you're not going to be able to get any value for any of these guys. So you, you have to be very careful, and you know it, it, you have to you have to make sure you're playing it right, and it's a, it's a gamble. And and you know if you if you let things go too long, then then you you have no recourse. Then you you have to blow it up, and it's and then you're in a serious rebuilding mode. Whereas if you kind of trade some parts for other parts that, that could help in the interim, you're, you might be better off. You know, it might be you know, sometimes you might have to cut bait with a guy a little earlier than you really want to, but sometimes you have to do that in order to make a trade that makes sense in the long run for the team. So these, these are the types of things that, that, uh, that a lot of teams are thinking about as we get toward the trade deadline, uh, not only the NBA, but, you know that I think that's the mantra that 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 kind of can bite a lot of teams. They don't handle it right. So it's well, hey, that's they paid the big bucks to be be to be. So that's uh, you know we'll see how that plays out uh, for Ainge and the Celtics and uh, and everyone else as we get closer to the trade deadline. I agree, Barry. And then my final thought as we go to break is simply that uh, you know that. They are getting old. Uh, you know, I watch the games, and I'm just seeing, particularly with Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen, that, you know, they just can't do the things they used to do, and they do things that they never did, and that's just simply age. Uh, Father Time always wins. Paul Pierce, a little bit younger, but uh, not the player he once was. So, age catches up with everybody, and it's obvious that it's happening uh, this season with the Celtics, which is no surprise, obviously. But, uh, you know, they tried for one more run. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen. So they're going to have to move forward from there. And with that said, uh, it's time for our break. And sticking with us for our next segment will be Barry Rubenstein from the New York Post. <laughs> Internet flagship station for sports. 
Voice America Sports. This week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav. Brought to you by Whitetail's Extreme. This week we'll have Larry Wysoon, Mr. Whitetail himself, Gary Smith, editor of Hunting Handgun Magazine, Doug Koenig, who's a competitive shooter, and Tom McIntyre with Field and Tree Magazine when we talk about hunting with handguns. All brought to you by Ram Trucks at ramtrucks.com. Wednesdays at 1 Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. I'm Jim Ferguson. I'll see you on the trail. Kevin Lewis has been a student of the game his entire life, from Little League to the NFL. Tune in Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on Voice America Sports. Hustling with K. Lewis. It's not where you start, it's how you finish. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And to join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. Or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. This is your host, John Inglesby. And still with us on the line is our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein from the New York Post. And Barry, let's switch sports now to baseball. And... uh Old friend Bobby Valentine, old friend from New York, I might add, uh, started to stir the pot on a couple of fronts this week. Uh, he's the new manager, of course, of the Boston Red Sox. Uh, I personally think he was just what that team needed after the first collapse in the history of baseball last September. And he basically uh, took a little swipe, uh, it appeared, at former manager uh, Terry Francona characterizing the ban on alcohol, which Valentine implemented just this week. Uh, Francona called it a PR move, and Valentine shot back a little bit on that, and then he also referenced Derek Jeter's iconic uh, flip against the Oakland A's in the playoffs postseason a few years back as uh, as not maybe being as great a play as was always determined. Uh saying things like out of position and did they practice it and Jeter responded by saying that they indeed practiced that play so uh, my first thought is I I like the fact he's you know kind of jabbing a little bit at the Yankees to get, get that rivalry going as you and I both know there's nothing like it when that rivalry's going along uh, at, a, at a heated pace so what are your thoughts on Bob on Bobby Valentine, you're you're a New York guy. You watched him down in New York when he was uh, manager of the Mets. Do you know him well? You know the thing about the thing about Bobby V, and I, and I think people in Boston are already starting to see this, is that he's a showman, and he 
he gets the whole entertainment aspect of 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 his job and and, and where he is. I mean, I think we we kind of in sports, especially over the past ten years or so, the rise of a lot of these types of coaches who maybe are too serious, maybe take their jobs too seriously, and he gets into almost like a dogma type of situation, you know. And I and I think. You know, and I think what's really interesting too, especially up in Boston this year, and people are going to see. You know, people are very used to the coaches, you know, like a Bill Belichick, who's who's very serious, who never cracks a smile, and it's just sort of this, you know, same same even keel all the time, no matter what's going on, same expression, everything. Bobby Valentine is the exact opposite. He's controversial. He's emotional. He's going to say things. He's going to he's going to he's going to, as you say, stir the pot, get things going. Um, you know, he's you know, and having come from that, having managed in New York uh, under that microscope, having been on ESPN where he is an analyst and also an entertainer, he totally understands what what works and, and, and how to push buttons with people. And, you know, to his credit, he tr- you know, he tried to push the buttons of, of Derek Jeter and, and A-Rod and the Yankees, and, you know, none of them really took the bait yet. But there are going to be times during the season when it heats up and he's going to you know, he's going to come out with some goofy statements or, or do something, you know, uh, some sort of gamesmanship during a game or just come out with something totally off the wall. But that's the way he operates. I, mean, I think, you know, during his whole time with the Mets, we have to remember the Mets at that time were, were a pretty good ball club. You know, they went to the, they went to the World Series in 2000, the Subway Series against the Yankees, and uh, they had some good seasons. But to me, the one thing about Bobby V's time in New York is, is, is the day that, he was ejected from a game, uh, you know, for arguing with an umpire early in the game, and then later on in the game showed up in the in the dugout dressed as a member of the grounds crew with a with a uh, with with a fake fake nose and fake mustache and sunglasses, and you know he denied that he did it, but of course he did. You know there were pictures of it, and you know, but that's just the way he is, and, and he's gonna he's gonna be unorthodox. He's gonna do he's gonna pull up crazy stunts, and he's gonna be fun. And you know, already we're seeing that you know. He's really, you know, kind of injecting a lot of life into this rivalry, which, as we know, you know, you don't need a whole lot of life injected to it to begin with. So when you have someone with his personality and his expertise and, and where he comes from, it, it's going to be a hell of a lot of fun. And, you know, I, I kind of equated to, you know, you know, back when I was um, when I was covering the Knicks back in the mid-'90s, um, Pat Riley was the coach, you know, every day, you know, a lot of times, you know, as a journalist, you come in, you're wondering, gee, what am I going to write about today? Well, you know, what, what, what's the news? What's the angle? You never had to worry about that when Pat Riley coached the Knicks, because every day he would give you something to write about. His material would be great. And, yeah, sometimes it could be calculated, because that's the kind of guy he was. You know, if there were, if there were a message he wanted to put out there, whether it be tweaking a player or twisting something, you know, to his advantage or, you know, getting something he wanted out there, he was able to do it because, you know, he was – he had a way about him of being very quotable. He was always interesting. He always had something to say. And I think Bobby V is going to be exactly the same way. I mean, there are going to be things that he's going to say that are going to be calculating. He's going to want to, you know, kind of, kind of twist the message uh, in, in his favor, in the Red Sox favor. So I think you're going to see similar, uh, a similar uh, way of working there. But I think it's going to be a hell of a lot of fun. I really do. And I, and I think, and I, think what it, I agree with what you said. It's exactly what was needed uh, up there, you know, they need to make a change, obviously, and you know, there's, there's really no better guy out there. You know, if you want a guy that's gonna that's gonna stir the pot, that's gonna get things going, you know, Bobby B's your man. So I, I think it was a, a great hire. 
for the Red Sox. And I, I think people are going to really like him up there. I really do. And, you know, uh, as we know, uh, they take their baseball very seriously in Boston. You know, he take, Bobby's going to take this job seriously, but he's going to have fun with it. And uh, I think the fans are going to have fun with him, too. Well, I agree, Barry. And uh, something that I consider very important, as he has already, again, tweaked the Yankees and uh, – and their main man in Derek Jeter, it's not like he started with the low-hanging fruit of uh, A-Rod, is that Bobby V grew up in Stamford, Connecticut. And as you and I both know, and everybody in New England uh, and the Mid-Atlantic states knows, uh, Connecticut is the official dividing line between Boston and New York sports, particularly the Red Sox-Yankees. And if you're from Stamford, you are clearly, clearly in the uh, New York uh, side of things, and yeah. um, the dividing line is uh, a little further up 95 in the middle of the state, uh, in the New Haven area, shall we say, but Bobby V understands the Yankees-Red Sox rivalry, as you can only understand it if you grew up here. It's part of the fabric, um, so I think the fact that he does understand it and now uh, is suddenly in it uh, is just going to make for one heck of a summer up here if he continues down this path. And he already, again, fired the opening salvo. And uh, so I, I think it's just going to be tremendous. And, you know, I like the hiring from the beginning. You know, as we all remember, they were interviewing a lot of, uh, a lot of shall we say, less recognized names before settling on Valentine. And, uh, I, again, I think this team... Uh, given their collapse last year and basically their current makeup, uh, especially now that they've gotten, you know, now that Veritech and Wakefield have retired, David Ortiz is now the only remaining member from 2004. How shocking is that? Um, it really is. So you have a, you know, you have in effect a new clubhouse. So I think uh, this team needs a a manager with a strong, strong personality, and there's nobody out there with a stronger personality than Bobby Valentine. And, you know, this thing's only beginning. We, ha- we haven't seen anything yet. I mean, we're only, like, what, into the second spring training game, and he's already just making news on a daily basis, really. Yes, which, is, which goes to, just goes to show you, you know, just wait what happens until the, the, when the first Yankee Red Sox series starts. You know, if we're already, if we're already talking about this, you know, with this kind of fever pitch now, you know, it, it, and it, 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 it's going to come, and it's going it's, it's to be a lot of fun. And, you know, he's it, 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 it totally the total opposite of even, say, Joe Girardi, who kind of falls into, you know, that, that you know, the, the group, the, the kind of uh, group that I mentioned before about, you know, guys are just very serious and you really see them smiling or having much fun, kind of going about their business in almost like a, a dogmatic kind of way. So, you know, it, you know, again, the, the exact opposite in Bobby V. And you know, he's going to come out. He's going to he's going to take his shot. And he's going to he's going to do unorthodox things. That's just the way he is. That's the way he's always operated. And it's not. And that, that's. And I think it's genuine from him. You know, I don't think he's a phony by any means. I, I think that's just the way he is. He likes to be that kind of guy. And, you know, I, and I think it's, it's just what the Red Sox need. It's, it's going to be really good for them, and, I, the, and the fans are going to love Bobby B. You know, at some point, you know, maybe a few years down the road, the act might wear thin, as it did in New York, and then, you know, as, 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 as all managers and all coaches uh, go through that, uh, that problem of, you know, the shelf life, you know, uh, kind of starts to, starts to run out. But, you know, it, it's all fresh now. It's all new. It's all fun, and it, it's going to continue to run that way. So uh, I think it's going to be a very, very 
interesting baseball season, season in Boston for sure. Yes, well, more importantly than the fans loving him, or just as importantly, I should say, uh, the media is going to absolutely love him, and that includes you and I. And I just think he is just going to be, uh, you know, a year-long soundbite, to put it mildly. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I really appreciate your insight. You were, you, you know, you have good memories of his days with the Mets. I had forgotten about that grounds crew incident. And he dressed up, as I remember, kind of like Groucho Marx. Yes, was, exactly. Yeah, that was the look. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he wore the, he wore the like, a, like a grounds crew uniform. He had like a black T-shirt the Mets logo, which was the same uniform the grounds crew wore, the Mets cap, and yes, it was very much like a, like a Groucho kind of outfit. It was, it was hysterical, and it was just like, it was, the, 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 it was, it was so bad that it was good, you know what I mean? It was just so, it was just so outlandish, but that's Bobby V. That's what he does, and you know, it, he, he, he's, he's going to have a lot, he has fun with it, and it's, it, it's, it's going to be a fun time, for sure. Absolutely, Barry, and uh, so with that said, it's time for our break, and Barry's sticking around for another segment, so uh, we'll catch you on the other side. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. We some hard hitters. We some hard hitters. Hard hitting radio is a new kind of sports and entertainment show. Your hosts are NFL veterans Mark McMillan and co-host Byron Evans. It's an hour of hater-free radio every week. You'll hear interviews with top athletes, celebrities, coaches, and fans. It's humor, hits, and conversation. Hard hitting radio is on with McMillan and Evans. Listen Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice. America Sports Network. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. And this is your host, John Inglesby, and back on the line with me is Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post. And I'm going to start off with my television picks of the weekend for appointment viewing. And my main one is, as we discussed previously, the Celtics-Knicks at 1 o'clock on Sunday. But there's a couple other good ones, uh, which is Duke, North Carolina, tomorrow night, which should be excellent. Uh, And we're starting to get into some other pretty interesting college games as we head towards March Madness. And another compelling television game uh, on Sunday is in hockey, where the Boston Bruins, 
defending cup champions. We'll visit the Madison Square Garden. I was about to say the other garden, except Boston's the other garden. There's only one Madison Square Garden. So they play head-to-head with the Celtics. Uh, they're at 12.30 on NBC on Sunday. And, Barry, the, uh, the Knicks continue to roll along this year. And the Bruins uh, kind of woke up a little bit last night when David Krejci scored a hat trick. He was a leading scorer in the postseason last year. Let's not forget that. And uh, he scored a hat trick after having really a dismal month for him. And he's, uh, he's an old friend of the show here. We've interviewed him once or twice. Uh, and I think that's going to be a great game. So I'm curious how the Rangers uh, are holding up, the first place Rangers, with Lynn Sanity going on in the same building. How, how's that working out down there? Well, you know, I, I, I kind of equate that back to uh, you know, the last time I think we've seen both teams. I mean, you know, again, I'm, I'm not sure that the Knicks are a championship-caliber team this year. However, you know, they're certainly, they've certainly become way more interesting, as we spoke about before. Uh, the Rangers have been pretty consistent all year, as, as right, among, uh, right among the top, uh, certainly in the Eastern Conference. Uh, right, right now they hold, I believe, a uh, nine-point lead on the Bruins and, you know, in the league as a whole. So, you know, they've, they've been playing so well under uh, John Tortorella, and, the, and the, you know, they've been uh, a good, good unit, good solid unit, which is why I thought they were smart in not making a trade, a potential trade for Rick Nash at the deadline uh, or anybody else. You know, while Nash is a great player, um, you know, I, I, my, my thinking was, and I think the Rangers agreed with this, was that, you know, they would have had to give up way too much and really... Uh, really hurt the chemistry they have in that room and the togetherness they have to make something happen. And it may not have been a prudent move uh, in the long run. Plus, he makes a lot of money and it would have taken a big salary cap hit to do it. So I thought they were smart in just kind of realizing, hey, we, we, you know, if it's if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So, you know, I, I think that's, uh, you know, that's kind of been their, their, uh, their way of operating. Uh, as far as, as, as the city, I think traditionally, you know, really it starts to pick up after the Super Bowl, as we're seeing now. And I think we're realizing, you know, that, that, that the Knicks are extremely popular in New York, always have been. And I think when the Knicks are good, you know, they kind of take over in the wintertime. You know, hockey is always kind of just a notch below, um, you know, baseball and football and basketball. Hockey is, you know, as, as, you know, I think as we all realize, even though I'm a big hockey fan, uh, objectively, you know, hockey is number four on that list. You know, it always has been and probably always will be. But, you know, in New York, as, as they do in Boston, they take their hockey very seriously. And, you know, the fan bases are, are both very knowledgeable, very rabid, both, you know, both original six teams. And when, when those hockey teams are playing well, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a big deal in New York. And it was a big deal in 94 when both the Knicks and Rangers, you know, went, went to the finals. Uh, the Rangers winning, of course, the, the Knicks falling a game short in that uh, fateful game seven in Houston. But, you know, the Rangers uh, beating Vancouver in the Mark Messier guarantee. So it's kind of conjuring up you know, uh, memories of that at the Garden. So uh, you know, it, there, there's a possibility that it could be a very, very interesting spring at the Garden. You know, if, if Lynn Sanity does find a way to get through the playoffs and, you know, the Rangers kind of hold serve and do, uh, and do it and continue to do what they're doing. Um, so, yeah, it could be a lot of fun uh, in the spring in New York. Very busy time at the Garden. Uh, busy almost every night. 
to answer your question about you know Rangers Bruins, yeah, I, I think you know so far the Rangers have kind of kind of uh, had the Bruins number so far this season, playing at the Garden uh, in a matinee, and I think that'll be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, Rangers Bruins is always fun. You know, I can remember back back when I was a kid, the, the epic battles they used to have in the early '70s. You know, between the you know the Phyllis Dezito, Bobby Orr, uh, Bruins, and the Rangers of uh, Roger Bear and Eddie Jockman. So you know, yeah, it's 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 it, it's always a good uh, it's always good, and you know, of course the famous you know trade the West was either coming to the Rangers and that changing the changing the dynamics of both teams. So yeah, it'll be a lot of fun to watch. It always is, and that should make for some good theater as well. Well, and you mentioned trades. To me, uh, another one of the most famous trades, <clears throat> really in NHL history, but certainly between the two teams, was Brad Park. Obviously, yeah. right and. Uh, yeah, well, again, I think everybody up here and, and down there, meaning New York, is uh, salivating at the thought of a Bruins-Rangers postseason matchup. I, I can't imagine anything better uh, than, you know, if Bruins-Rangers and Nick Celtics were playing in the postseason at the exact same time. That would be, like, the best two weeks ever. Yeah, that would be something, wouldn't it? I think, I think uh, you know, Nick Celtics might have to do a little, little finagling to make that happen at, at the same time. But, you know, certainly if, uh, if things play out the way they are right now in the NHL, you're looking at a potential, you know, if, they both, if both the Rangers and, and uh, Bruins, you know, advance the way we think they're going to, we're looking at a potential Eastern Conference final. And how great would that be? Oh, I know. That would be just terrific. Uh... Well, you know, it's uh, the I mean the NHL trading deadline that we discussed. Uh, you know, Nash was the big one, and uh, of course he stayed put. And uh, you know, it it seemed to be generally low level overall. I don't think there was any overwhelming, stunning moves. What caught my eye, as it did every Bruins fan's eye, and and the Rangers too, but uh, the recent memory of our Stanley Cup final. Uh, with the Canucks being uh, first and foremost, uh, the Canucks added a couple of enforcers. One being, uh, <laughs> you know, a giant of a player who, in my mind, was absolutely positively obtained on the assumption by the Canucks that they're going to face the Bruins again in the Stanley Cup Finals. And clearly, uh, they have not gotten over, you know, the physical toll the Bruins took on them and most importantly the iconic image of uh of Bruins Brad Marchand uh all 5 foot 8 of him uh just peppering the face of uh of the one of the Sedin twins and you know again the Canucks just simply took the made to, you know took the step they needed to take to ensure that doesn't happen again i mean the guy they brought in is uh he just sounds like he's there solely to fight. And uh, so I think, you know, if it turns out that they meet each other, that could be fascinating as well. So, but other than that, what did you think of the overall NHL trading deadline? Well, yeah, I agree with you. There weren't a whole lot of big moves made. I think a lot of teams, you know, tweaked here and there. You know, uh, the Rangers made a similar move to the one that, that you mentioned the Canucks making when they brought in uh, John Scott from the Blackhawks. I mean, six, I believe, six, seven, six, eight. 275, the guy's a monster. I mean, the guy could be an offensive guard in, in the NFL. 
And so, you know, again, that was kind of made maybe as sending a message to maybe a similar message to the Bruins, like, hey, okay, you know, you want to you, you want to go that way, we can go the same way too. You know, a lot of you know, here's a, a fact that a lot of people might not realize: um, the Rangers actually lead the NHL in fighting majors this season, which you know, might surprise some people. Because you know, I don't know if people really think of the Rangers as that kind of team, but but they do, and you know, which which just kind of kind of shows you how well-rounded the Rangers have been this year. I mean, they have, as we know, they have excellent goaltending. Henrik Lundqvist leads the league in shutouts. You know, he's, he's among the best there is. Um, their defense has played great. Um, you know, they can, they can drop the gloves with anybody, it seems. You know, the only thing where they might be lacking is, is, is maybe a little more offensive punch, which is why I think they're really seriously looking at a player like Rick Nash. But as we know, in, in, in the playoffs, it's defense and goaltending that usually wins out. And the other thing, too, is, you know, while we talk about teams, you know, getting more physical, you know, getting more, more pugilists in the lineup, you really don't see a whole lot of fights that much in the Stanley Cup playoffs, especially as you get toward the finals. So, you know, that would be interesting to see if, 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 that cha- if, if these moves change the dynamics of that or if that changes the approach of any of these teams. So, you know, that will be something really, really interesting to watch uh, because, you know, usually – it gets a lot more, you know, uh, hunkered down in the playoffs. You know, teams are really playing a defense first mode, and nobody wants to. Nobody wants to take take that stupid penalty. Nobody wants to take that, uh, you know, that instigator, that extra two minute instigator penalty because you know that could that could all make the difference between advancing or getting knocked out. So you know, it would be really, really interesting to see if, if that if that changes. The way any of these teams uh, approach their game plans as as we move further along in the playoffs. Well, it will be great. And Barry, it's hard to believe we're at the end of our show already. I want to thank you for calling in and for your great contributions today. And as always, Voice America, thank you for listening to All Around Sports, and we look forward to doing it all again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.